0: I think you can tell from that video that Gil Johansson's life was changed when he gave his life to Christ. I mean, when he was baptized, and I will tell you, when when he was baptized and he came up out of that water, you could see a difference in his face and everything. It was like this weight was lifted from his shoulders. Gil moved from the outside to the inside. He became part of a spiritual family, and he has experienced the love of Christ and the love of Christians. Outside In is the theme of this series we're doing in the book of Acts, written by Luke, who was truly an outsider. Luke was the only non-Jewish author of the Bible. But through his words and his historically accurate account of the life of Christ and the beginning of the church, we can see what it means to move from the outside to the end. We can discover that for ourselves. One of the primary teachings of the New Testament informs us about how to move from the outside in. How do we move from being outside of Christ to having Christ live within us through His Spirit? Now, we know the problem is sin. This is something that we all have to deal with, sin. We have been so far away from God. Uh, and like Gil, maybe you think, man, there, you know, how could I have a relationship with God when I have done the things that I've done? How can I be saved when I've been so far from God? Well, the answer is found in this week's passage. And this is the big idea. In order to rise, and that, and by that I mean rise to a new life, we have to die. We have to die to our old life. And in baptism, we die and we rise to a new life. Now Luke shared this account of the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. And in that passage, Peter went out and he confronted the people about their rejection of Jesus. And he convinced them that Jesus was indeed Messiah. And they had the Messiah put to death on a cross. So we read in Acts 2.36, Therefore, Peter said, Let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now that could be a pretty stunning statement considering the fact that many of those people had been right there and they had been calling for the crucifixion of Jesus when Jesus was on trial. And in verse 37, we see the reaction of these people. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now, this question gives us insight into the mindset of these people. They heard the message. They were cut to the heart. Now, the Greek word translated cut here also means to pierce, to sting, to stun, or to smite. It implies the idea of sudden and acute grief. They were stunned with anguish and alarm at what Peter had informed them about. The fact that they asked the question informs us that they believed the message. Why ask the question if you don't believe? If you don't believe what Peter's telling you, you're not going to say, well, what are we going to do about this? But they did believe. And they were upset that the Messiah had been put to death by his own countrymen, by they themselves, their deep sense of guilt at having done this, and the fear of God's wrath. The Holy Spirit, we can see, was convicting them of their sin. The Holy Spirit had used Peter's spoken word to prick their hearts. And they were moved and they were challenged to evaluate their relationship with God and they found themselves lacking. I think all of us at some point may be in that same place. Gil was in that same place. And so they ask the question, what shall we do? And that question implies, what shall we do to be saved? What are we going to do to avoid the wrath of God? How in the world can we be forgiven for rejecting God's Son? This is important for us to take note of. Because at some point, we all should be asking that same question. At some point, every person has to come face to face with our own rejection of God. And what I know is that every one of us, in some way or another, has rejected God. And maybe you're in the middle of it right now. You know God is moving you, and He is convicting you to do something, but you are rejecting Him. If you were to ask the same question today, or if someone asked you the same question today, what would your answer be? Peter gave the following response. When they asked Peter, what shall we do to be saved? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now Peter's response is fitting with what the rest of Scripture teaches. Conversion into a relationship with Christ is a process of several responses. We can see the process in, in just four things, we believe, without belief, we cannot please God. We must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That belief is the starting point. And we confess. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And as Peter said here, we must repent. Jesus said, unless you repent, you also will perish. And then we are baptized. Each of these is a part of the process of our conversion. In the case of the people in Acts, they certainly believed, and Peter called for them to repent and be baptized. Now, we know that repentance is a reversal of direction. It it is, I'm going in this direction, but repentance calls me to go in the opposite direction. It is more of an act of the will than it is a feeling. Yes, certainly there is an amount of guilt that maybe we feel for the direction we've been going in. But repentance is the decision to go in the opposite direction. It is a determination to turn my sin, turn away from my sin, and turn to God. In the case of these people that Peter was preaching to, he pointed out that their sin was the rejection of the Messiah. They themselves had put the Messiah to death. And so to repent, that would mean the opposite of rejection, which would mean acceptance of Jesus. And so this was part of that process. But Peter added the command to be baptized. Now there's something interesting here that I think we should take note of. All of the other commands or actions or responses, we should say, that a person has to God. I believe in Him. I confess my belief in Him. I repent of the sin of my life. But in the case of baptism, it is actually uh, an, an action that's being done to that person. That person is being baptized. And baptism, we know, does not earn our salvation. It is not a work of man. The fact that I'm baptized in and of itself does not mean that now I deserve salvation. That, that's not what it means. It is, however, the appropriate expression of faith in God. Now, when we think about baptism and what happens when we're baptized, we realize, again, it's not a work of man. It is a work of God. In Colossians 2, we read, beginning in verse 11, In Him you are also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, and get this, verse 12, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, Jesus, or Paul is writing there in Colossians, That baptism is not a work of man, it is the work of God. God circumcising the sin, the flesh, away from us. God taking it away. It is God who is forgiving us. It is God who is pouring His Spirit into us. It is God who makes us alive now when we were dead. We were buried with Christ in our baptism. When the Jews asked how they could be saved, they expressed that belief in the message Peter preached. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, this is what we here at Christ Church believe about baptism and the process of salvation, that it is a part of that process. It's not the most important part, but it is a part. So the question a lot of people have is, well, is it essential? And I sort of, I, I sort of get concerned about that word. I, I can't tell you that God can't claim a person saved who has not been baptized. That's, that's not my point but I can't imagine why we would argue about whether we should be baptized or not. I can tell you that those who believe and confess and repent and are baptized have the promise of salvation. That is biblical. I can say that we are saved by Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, we become new creatures in Christ. God determines when and where and how we are saved. But the Bible does teach that baptism is the culmination of that process of conversion. Now, one way that it's helped me to think about this is, uh, and we just celebrated Christi's birthday yesterday. I'm, I'm going to just tell you now, I got, her, I got her age wrong here. Is it okay if I tell this? I don't want to get in trouble after church Okay, um, so we 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 were trying we were trying to think of how many candles to put on that cake, and me and the girls were trying to think. How okay? How how old is she? And so I thought, okay, I, I, I'm eight years older, so uh, I, I I'm gonna be sixty two in my next birthday. So she's got to be fifty four. The problem was, I'm gonna be sixty one at my next birthday. So. <laughs> So when you get old and you can't even remember your own age, there's a problem there, okay? But she took it like a champion, uh, I hope. (laughs) But when you think about your birthday, all right? Okay, is that the day you became a human being? The birthday? No. The day that you were conceived is the day that you became a human being. But the day that we recognize as your birthday is the day that you were born, nine months, uh, you know, around there, later. So when did you become a Christian? When were you born again? You know, if you think about it, I I believed in Jesus before I I chose to follow Jesus. Belief was conceived in me very early on in my life. But later, I accepted Christ when I realized what my sin had done, and I repented, and I was baptized into Christ, and I was born again. That is the picture of what baptism does. Can someone be saved who hasn't been baptized? Now, that's another question that people come at me with. And I think we have to admit that we're not the judge, right? No no one in this room is going to be sitting on the throne judging whether I'm going to go to heaven or you're going to go to heaven. God is the one who grants salvation in His time and in His way. However, the New Testament assumes that every follower of Christ, every believer will accept this beautiful gift from God. Jesus did not give the church the option about whether to baptize disciples or not. In the Great Commission, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, uh, 20, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He didn't give us the option. So if we don't have the option about whether we're supposed to baptize people, those who choose to follow christ would they would they also have that i mean i know we have the option we can choose to do it or not but it just makes sense that it is something that is expected what are the benefits of baptism well real quick three quick benefits we become disciples followers of christ Uh, we get connected to god We form a relationship with God, and we are saved through faith. This is what the Bible says. Nowhere in Scripture is baptism described as an outward sign of an inward faith. It's not there. If you can find it there, bring it to me, and I will begin to preach it. I promise you. But it isn't there. But these things that I have mentioned are biblical, scriptural. I'm not going to argue about who's going to go to heaven or hell. It's not my place. I'm not going to argue about the exact moment that we're saved. But I will argue that leaving baptism out of that equation is not biblical. It is not what the Bible teaches. We should say what the Bible says when it comes to all things. And the Bible makes makes it pretty clear that our baptism is a part of that process of salvation. So let's be clear. Baptism, apart from faith, is just getting wet. Baptism, just to satisfy another person's desire for me, is just me getting wet. Baptism is just something to check off a box. Well, that's just getting wet. Baptism must follow belief and repentance. If we don't understand sin, if we don't understand our need for repentance, why would we think there's a need to wash it away and be forgiven of it? Obviously, those who heard Peter's message accepted what he had to say about it, and they were baptized. In fact, in verse 40 and 41 of Acts 2, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted His message were baptized. Everyone that accepted His message was baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000 people baptized at that moment. They got it. They didn't argue about it. They didn't complain about it. They didn't fuss about it. They accepted His message and they were baptized. Simple as that. Now I imagine almost every person here today has been immersed. But I want to make sure that we're all on the same page when it comes to this idea of baptism. Before you leave today, I want you to know the answers to a couple of questions. One, why should I be baptized? Well, Baptism is a pledge of a clean conscience towards God. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 21, and this water symbolizes baptism. He was talking about the flood that Noah was saved in the ark from. And he says, This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, baptism unites us with Christ. In Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, we read, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Number three, baptism clothes us with Christ. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ it sounds like there's more going on than just doing something to put on a show it sounds like God is doing something when we submit ourselves to baptism number four Jesus was baptized but for different reasons in Matthew chapter 3 we read about this But John tried to deter him. Jesus comes up to John the Baptist as he's baptizing people. John tried to deter him. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So Jesus was baptized in his own words to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus had no sin in him for which he needed to be baptized or forgiven. So he wasn't baptized for the forgiveness of sins. But this was also God's way of introducing Jesus to the world as His Son. This was sort of His coming out party, if you will. That when He was baptized, he, there He is. Jesus, the Son of God. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But as many would say, if Jesus did it to set an example, well, why wouldn't we do it to follow that example? And if for no other reason than that, maybe that would be reason enough. And then I would suggest to you that by the preponderance of the evidence of the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible, every conversion mentioned in Scripture involves baptism. I've got listed in your outline, I think there's about eight uh, occurrences or nine occurrences of people that were baptized or people that came to relationship with Christ who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Every one of them, all of the occurrences mentioned in the book of Acts involve baptism. Every single one. And I want you to read those. You take those. We're not going to read them all today. But you take that list and you look over them and you see that every single time we read about a person receiving Christ in the book of Acts, baptism is a part of that process. So if we want to ensure that we are following the biblical teaching of our conversion. Baptism is clearly a part of that process. It isn't the only part. It's not the most important part. They're all equally important, but it is a part. Now for the second question. Does it matter how I am baptized? Now this again is an argument that different groups have, denominations have. This has been a doctrinal argument among different Christian groups for centuries. You have some that would sprinkle, some that would pour, some that would immerse, some that would uh, baptize infants, some that would not. Which one... Is closest to the biblical model. Well, consider the original meaning of the Greek word baptizo. That original word in the Greek meant to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. That's what it meant. had no other meaning. Now, when the English translators of the Greek translated the Bible, what they did is they took that Greek word baptizo... And they transliterated it into an English word. They made another English word. And this has caused so much confusion in the Christian world because we hear the word baptize and suddenly our mind goes back to maybe what our group told us it meant. And so our understanding of it may be a little skewed. If the translators had simply translated the meaning of the word as immerse, possibly we wouldn't be dealing with this today. But let me share with you three quick examples of why the word should be translated immerse. First of all, John baptized where there was plenty of water. Now if you think about it, if if you don't need to immerse, why do you need plenty of water? Okay, If you just want to take a little cup and pour it on somebody's head or sprinkle some water, you don't need a body of water. But notice in John 3.23. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. You might remember what we already read about Jesus' baptism. The, The scripture says he came up out of the water. We read the example of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. The eunuch did. And then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It's pretty obvious they got into the water. Why would that be necessary if immersion wasn't the form? And then if you think about what Romans 6, 4-5 tells us. It is a death, burial, and a resurrection. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like his. So when you think about immersion, the person goes under the water and they come up out of the water. Logically speaking, if you're going to bury someone, would you sprinkle a little dirt on them? Would you take a cup and pour a little dirt on top of them? No. You would cover them completely. So to me, Immersion is the form of baptism that best fits the biblical example. And in terms of infants being baptized, we know that Peter said, repent and be baptized. There's no way that an infant has any knowledge or understanding of who Jesus is or what sin is. So an infant could not believe and confess and repent. So we do not practice infant baptism here at Christ Church. Now, if you were sprinkled and you decide you should be immersed, there's some people that think, well, would, would my family be disappointed in me? Is it a rejection of everything that I've been taught all my life? Well, I would look at it in a different way. It's just following through with what you have learned and grown to discover. Now, you can thank those spiritual leaders who had a part in leading you to faith all those other years. But don't reject what you know to be true. Like Gil, when you discover, hey, I didn't even know this was there, just follow through. Obey God. The choice, as always, is yours. But today, you do have a choice. Again, think about Gil Johansson, what he said. His life was changed when he submitted to Christ in baptism. He believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, before he came to accept Christ. He had even probably repented of some things that he had done in his life, but those things were still lingering in his heart and mind. But when he was baptized, he came up out of that water a new man, and he was cleansed. I want to close with a a story that I read from Lee Strobel. Lee is a a great Christian author. Uh, He says, we were doing a baptism service at their church. We told people before they came up to the platform to be baptized to take a piece of paper, write down a few of the sins... They've committed and fold the paper. And when they come up to the platform, there was a large wooden cross on the stage. And they were to take that piece of paper and take a pen, pin it to the cross because the Bible says, our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus and fully paid by His death. And then after they did that, they were to turn to the pastor and they were to go to the baptismal, they were to be baptized. Later he received a letter from a woman who was at that service and he shared this letter. And the letter says, I remember my fear. In fact, it was the most fear I remember in my life. I wrote as tiny as I could on that piece of paper the word abortion. I was so scared someone would open the paper and read it and find out it was me. I wanted to get up and walk out of the auditorium during the service. The guilt and fear were that strong. When my turn came, I walked toward the cross. I pinned the paper there. I was directed to the pastor to be baptized. He looked straight in my eyes, and I thought for sure that he was going to read this terrible secret I kept from everybody for so long. But instead, I felt like God was telling me I love you, it's okay, you've been forgiven. I felt as much love for me, a terrible sinner. It's the first time I ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love. It was unbelievable, indescribable. That's sort of the way Gil expressed his feelings. Do you have inside of you a secret sin that you wouldn't ever want to write down on a piece of paper out of fear that somebody might find it and open it up and figure out that's your handwriting. Let me tell you something about the Jesus that I know and that we worship here. Not only does He want to adopt you as His child, He wants to lift the weight of that guilt, off of your shoulders. I've heard some people comment about this new baptistry we have. I don't know if y'all know it, but we spent a lot of money on that nice baptistry up here, and it it don't work. It's leaking. We've had tons of problems. So we said, forget that. We're going to get one that works. So we got this, this baptistry here. And I've heard some sort of negative comments about it. <laughs> somebody, somebody said, man, that looks like a coffin. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know what? It, it sort of does, but in a way it is. Because when we get in it for the right reasons, with the right heart, our old sin dies. Our old self dies, and is taken away. And when we rise up out of that, a new person comes in Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. So friend, think about it. Do you need to be changed? Do you need to die to your old self and rise to become the person that God wants you to be? Father, thank you for offering to us this opportunity for change. The idea that our sins can be washed away and we can be cleansed in this amazing uh, way. I mean, God, this is a great gift. I pray that your spirit would move in someone today, whatever struggle or sin they may be dealing with, Help them to know that they can start fresh today. They can be baptized into Christ. If they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, they put their faith in Him. If they repent of the sin that has separated them from you, if they give their testimony of faith that they believe Jesus is your Son, and they are baptized, They have the promise of forgiveness. So move in us through your Holy Spirit, Father. Convict us of what we need to be convicted of. And for those of us who have already been baptized, we pray, God, that you will continue to help us grow in Christ. Your Spirit is constantly moving in us to become better. May we not become complacent, Father. And now, Lord, we pray all of these things. In the name of Jesus, our Savior.